0: hello hello merlin how are you i'm very well good er, afternoon to you dan good afternoon to you good afternoon we're speaking to you from the past or from, the future from the future from is it the future or the past yes i think is. Yes, it yes it is it is the Wibbly, future or the wobbly, past. Wobbly, timey-wimey <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. It feels good. It feels good to be in this limbo. It feels just back back in the New York groove. (laughs) Oh, we uh, it's been a big week. Huge week. It's been a huge week. Oh, we got um, lots of interesting uh, questions from our listeners. We've got a couple uh, topics around the technology and uh,
1: workspace. Mm -hmm.
0: But let's get to the important stuff. I understand you have a problem with a spoon. (laughs) I
1: do. Did you see the photo that I sent you?
0: I haven't yet. Let me look.
1: It should be in. Oh. uh, Yeah. Oh yeah, so I got mm. a, a bunch of new spoons here in the oh, office oh no, this
0: is emblematic of a larger spoon problem
1: <laughs> well, uh this new so are batch they all is, like this well, no no they're they come out of the package normal mm. but oh, hot hot beverage, yeah, they don't seem to hold it so i i I drink uh this ginger tea mm. and it has these tea bags. It's not the kind of tea bag that you like, which has the little string on it, so you can kind of mm-hmm. dip it and dunk it and remove it. Instead, these are like a little satchel, a little packet, a little thing that you just throw into your mug or your cup or whatever. Yeah. And they it requires,
0: don't... It requires some direct intervention with the clients. It does. Mm-hmm.
1: It, it doesn't yield its true potential flavor unless you work it with a spoon. Hmm. And so, innocently enough, I bought some of these spoons, uh, and they... I guess they can't take the heat or something because they bend. Yeah, a, what
0: What you sent me is a, looks like probably, a am guessing a compostable spoon, which are pretty wimpy and it's got a decided <laughs> bend to it. Yeah. This just would be good the, for je- wonton
1: soup. Maybe <laughs> it's, like it's become a ladle of sorts. It's a ladle in the Japanese yeah. style. Yeah. Yeah. And these are, hold on. I'll tell you what these are. Hill, Hill country essentials. <laughs> combo pack. Combo. One hundred and forty-four count. Mm, uh, gross. So I'm a stuck gross.
0: stuck with them for a while. <laughs> you got a gross of spoons. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of trade-offs nowadays. <laughs> I mean, I, I, um, we just had a, a revolutionary update in our um, trash technologies here. This is going somewhere. Okay. Um, but you know, for for years now, we've had. So basically, the the trash persons give us three cans for each household. You get a big black can. Okay. For uh, landfill, Uh you get a big, uh, blue can for your recycling and you get a slightly smaller green can for compost. Oh, you know, so all good, all good. But, um, now that, so they've updated that they made a change maybe three weeks ago where they took away the big trash cans and now the trash cans hold, I think about half of what they used to. They give you a bigger recycling can, the same size compost, but they've also changed the rules so that in addition to the, I guess, national trend of more things being compostable, they're now accepting more things as recycling, which I think is great. Yes. So stuff like, you know, my kid drinks a lot of uh, this drink called Orgain, which is this like high protein, like a chocolate milk kind of drink. Okay. But it's it's pretty cool. But like those, like, like if you got like aseptic milk, you know, those little boxes with the straw, you can now recycle those. Uh, the really, I, I actually have a lot to say about this. Uh, I, I had never heard the phrase soft plastics until about a month ago <laughs> when my kid got some, got some, uh, religion about recycling at school. <laughs> yeah. But like all the things, like technically you're, you were not supposed to be recycling stuff like those Amazon, uh, filler bags, airbags. Oh, really? S- yeah. Stuff like wrappers from like, you know, cellophane ish. Uh, wrappings. Those are all soft plastics. They've added a new thing where you take all your soft plastics, your Ziploc bags, your little tabs you've torn off of Amazon devices, all of the soft plastics you put into a big bag, and you can now recycle your soft plastics. I guess what I'm saying is, on the one hand, I am really, I hate the idea of how much junk we send to the landfill.
1: Seriously. Even when we, you try not to, you know, you, you it, it seems so difficult to. To not create this huge pile of trash at the end of the week.
0: Well, and there's one where like, I don't even want to say this because I know I'm going to get a lot of flack about this. It's something we're working on, but we're, my daughter likes a straw in things. And straws are apparently very, very bad. Straws. Like landfill wise? Yes. Like every straw, every plastic straw that's ever been made for the most part. Still exists in a landfill. No, something, don't say something, that. Something, something on the order of like I believe I heard on uh, Morning Edition something like nine million straws a day in America. So you got stuff like that. You got stuff like. But that's cat not litter. people
1: like you guys at home, right? That's restaurant, the restaurant yeah, industry. Yeah, we're I would
0: pretty think. bad. There's, a, there's, there's how many straws, straws f- are you going through in a day? More than I'd like.
1: My, um, my wife will do. Just to show you what the struggles that I have in my life as a germaphobe, yeah. my wife will reuse straws sometimes. Oh, you don't like that. No, I mean, that. I, I'm not an arsonist, but it makes me want to burn Mm-mm. the house down.
0: Yeah, you just shoot your whole house into the sun. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I was a little kid, you remember like crazy straws? Like you get a plastic straw that's got
1: loops and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, because my family is is takes a lot of its, my mother and father would take a lot of their notions from things they read in the paper or heard on TV, like we weren't allowed to have those because supposedly they were deadly. Like you could not actually oh, clean a crazy straw. Now, now I've saddled you with that. Now you're going to have to think about what's happening right, with the little loop the
1: loop things and what gets caught in there. The Did twist. you ever have a, a, a King Kong straw? I don't know. What is that? You would know. Um, okay. It. Let me try to describe this. Um, oh, and I just googled it, and thank God there is, there is a video of it. Okay, hmm. this is a contraption where it was a drinking straw. At the top of the straw, you have a plastic contraption that has a giant ape in it with the World Trade Towers, one on the left and one on the oh, right. Oh, wow, look at that. And you, you, I think, attach... I think it is a straw, but then you need a yet another straw to attach to it that you suck the liquid the juice milk whatever through and it causes king kong to f- rise up in between the trade towers is perhaps as if he's climbing it wow and uh oh and, look at that yeah, yeah. And, oh, and i love that i love that poster so much so if you want to talk about something that was a great movie poster that's impossible to clean I don't oh, know. Oh look at him.
0: He's in oh, this looks very unhygienic, Dan. I think <laughs> you yeah. just found your show art. Oh, <laughs> will, that is really unpleasant. Like but you know, I mean, I, I I I'm sounding preemptively defensive about this. The truth is that it's practically a hobby for me how much I can preferably compost. If I can't compost it, can I recycle it? Um, if I can't recycle it, can I, you know, th- does it have to go in the landfill. But right. like, kitty litter, what are you gonna do? Like that's twenty pounds of clay and poo. That's just got to go to a dump. I mean, I, I guess I could get the composty stuff, but the cat hates that. And you really need to accommodate the cat if you know what I mean.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Once we tried, my wife found these. Um, went back when we used to have cats. Um, she found some kind of. I guess it was like cedar pellets or something that was supposed to be like a biodegradable alternative cat litter that was disposable and and yeah, just do, and we we used that. We put that in the litter. We had two cats. We put it in the litter box. And they just simply refused to go in the litter box anymore. They refused to use it. And and for four days, they didn't pee or poop. And they were walking around the house just- Oh, no, they
0: were holding it?
1: Yes. And they were <gasps> just walking so delicately. And any movement, they would just freeze because they were in pain just trying to oh, hold the- yeah.
0: that's so interesting. Your cats are, <laughs> well, with all respect, as tightly wound as you
1: are. <laughs> yeah, they were. <laughs> More See, so- cat,
0: well, we, um, this is super interesting in our recycling discussion, but you know, we, um, we're always, you know, uh, you know, you're always trying to stay ahead of things with the sure. cat. And at one point they didn't have, the store didn't have the kind of litter that she always gets. We got her a different kind. In my experience with our cat, you find out very quickly what she will and will not tolerate. And so we started getting little presents around the house, you know, maybe behind a door. But in some kind of like a, like a disused area, you yeah. just find some uh, find some little tootsie rolls, and then now you're dealing with that. Um, I I wish it were different, but the <laughs> our, the cat cats get pretty particular about they're very hygienic and they <laughs> very very particular about that. But anyway, the, to re- circle back to your busted ass spoon, I mean, I um, there's so much stuff where, I mean, I, you know, I, really to their credit, Sunset Scavenger, whoever it is, whoever does our trash, like they put out this really nice like almost the size of a poster mm. when they brought the new cans showing what you can do, can and can't have. They have actually a really good website I'll find for notes. And it, I know it, this could be the envy of any community. There's something very rewarding about rolling. I now know what 40 pounds weighs because that's what our cats litter weigh. We've got probably at least 60 pounds of compost a week. Once you get in that habit, we even went so far as we got one of those trash cans, like a, you know, one of the simple humans. Yeah, human trash cans, we, you know, which is pretty. It's pretty, pretty good trash can. And one side has one side is the black can, one side is the blue can. We went so far as to not just use the little compost basket they give you. We put in full size, like thirteen gallon compost bags. Wow, take that out every day. And I mean, this is a little bit of a life hack, but this might come up later when we're talking about simplifying and tidying up. But. I think if you want to see a change in how you deal with stuff coming into or out of your house, it helps to realize what the choke points are. And so the truth is like, if you've got a tiny little basket, you don't feel like taking out very often. You're not going to put eggshells in that, or you're not going to put fish in that because you know, you're lame and lazy and you'll, you won't take it out. and It'll be stinky. And now you're developing this habit that says I shouldn't do compost because, you know, uh, it's going to make my house stink. But like I say, it's become a hobby for me. Like I, I fill that thing up. If I clean out the fridge, it all goes into compost. And now the plastic bags that they were in go into the soft plastics. I am so behind all of that. I don't, I don't have – I've really come around on this issue. This seems like a problem that given the right conditions and supply chain, we can improve this. Even if we don't immediately change our consuming habits, and yes, I know we should change our consuming right. habits. We can at least – there's no reason not to be a little bit better. About breaking down your boxes, smashing your cans, and trying to like take care of that stuff. But you know, you get to a compostable spoon, and a lot of the joy drains out of life. <laughs> I mean, why do you have a spoon? Why does one have a spoon? Oh, yeah. One has a spoon because one cannot stick one's hands into the coffee, right. one cannot stick one's hands into the wonton soup. You need, and so like a spoon that does not maintain its structural integrity in the presence of heat. Mm. Is not a successful
1: spoon. That's true. Am I
0: putting too fine a point on it? I no, don't I mean, that's, unkind. that's
1: it. That's exactly right. That's exactly the problem. I mean that yeah. you, you would think maybe if they built a knife to different tolerances or something, that'd be all right. But the oh, you spoon know, you has use the to, as a spoon. Yes, hmm. I could, yeah. but I think it would, it would have the same problem. This
0: is one of those, like, I just, if I'm being honest, like mm-hmm. I, this is one of those things where I've, I will always prefer metal cutlery like an actual fork or spoon but there's sometimes where that's not practical like you don't have a way to clean them and you know and whatnot and so you got to get something disposable that's one where like i do buy plastic forks for when i need a fork because it's there's something kind of joyless about having these bendy things and oh and like potato starch ones that make stuff taste weird yes have you ever had those yes but like you know if we're gonna get stuff that's disposable. Um, we get the stuff like, you know, we get those Chinette plates, which can be, uh, composted, um, things like that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pick your battles. I you know, here, here's what I'll say. The one reason I'm sounding so defensive about this is I think there is a certain frame of mind, perhaps an understandable and very good hearted frame of mind that leads to a certain kind of black and white thinking. And I, I am a, I'm always on the watch for black and white thinking Because I think that's one reason people fall short or, and more pointedly, fail at things. Mm -hmm. If they can't do it 100%, they're not going to bother, which is no way to evolve uh, as a person. You know, if if your feeling is, well, either I buy everything at Whole Foods and it's compostable or I grow my own, either I go all the way this one way or I'm a garbage human being and I should just, you know, sit in a pile of Cheeto dust. (laughs) And I think you have to be somewhat forgiving with yourself and say like, I mean, I'm bringing up all the bad stuff. I'm not talking about all the good stuff, but like, you ever try the compostable diapers? Never. No. You ever try the earth friendly diapers or you ever do like cloth diaper service? No, no. We tried the, we tried the, like, you know, the ones look like brown coffee filters. Mm
1: -hmm. They don't work. I admire people who, who do the cloth. I mean, apparently my mom tells me she used, you know, cloth at some point with me. Cloth diapers are great for washing windows but they're terrible <laughs> at picking up poo and pee. Yeah.
0: But you know, you know if you can do that, what I'm saying is I'm not I'm not trying to say like, "Oh, you stupid hippies, why are you doing that?" If you do that and that works for you, that's a good thing. But I would say just because you're the kind of person who ends up using landfill diapers doesn't mean you shouldn't be trying on other fronts. And forgive me if this sounds defensive, but like I think this is one reason In so much of politics and culture, people get so dug in because it would be nice to say, look, it would be nice. What's the word I'm looking for? It would be comforting to be able to say like, okay, by fiat, I now demand that everybody have the same priorities as I do today. And if you don't do that, you're a bad person. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not a productive way. I I, I realize that from that, from certain points of view, the feeling always will be that unless you capitulate and apologize for everything that's gone wrong, you're not really allowed to be part of the body politic. Um, It would be nice if we could all be that way, but we've all got our demons and we've all got things we wish we were better at. And I think part of that is like understanding that like in, there's a long road to getting better at these kinds of things. And it takes a long time for old habits to break and new habits to form it takes a long time for the kinds of products we require in life to to bend to the will. And I'll save some of this for our, our tidying up talk, but I do actually have some thoughts on how you can get better about this stuff in a way that actually improves your life. But I would just say be kind to yourself, you know, and try and do the right thing when you can. But, you know, nobody should have to suffer a, a bent spoon. That's no way to
1: live. Well, have you ever tried the stainless steel drinking straws?
0: I have not. I am personally not a straw person. Yeah. But that's not probably not a bad
1: idea. You know and what? They, that's a really good idea. I'll, I have one that I've used. I'll put in the show notes and it even comes with a little like cleaning brush that you oh, can cool. push through the middle of it. Like well, if you were cleaning well, a rifle making, or something.
0: You're making me think of another example that is virtually a no brainer, not for everybody in all situations, but like I, um, I'm pretty happy to be out of the plastic bottle business. I Mm -hmm. still go through a lot of cans because I'm in the current phase where I drink seltzer in a can. I'm not sure how great that is for the environment. Probably not great, but I do, when it comes to drinking water, uh, just regular old water, it's, it's, I don't know if it's like this where you are, but like at, at the, at the school, at her school, at my wife's workplace, at our park, there's like refill stations, like to accommodate a permanent water bottle that you bring with you. It actually makes so much more sense in that case. Like, it's not that fun to be drinking out of those those janky crystal geyser bottles that are all crackly. It's not even that fun to drink out of them. right? You know, and I think you're you're helping out a little bit in that case. In that case, like, a water bottle could be a nice thing. Maybe it'll encourage you to drink more water, which is usually kind of a good thing. Yeah, it's very good. I don't know. Am I being defensive? I hope I'm
1: not being too defensive. It doesn't seem like it to me.
0: Um, but, you know, hmm, I don't know. It, it, it shades into politics because... Uh, There's this thing people have been talking about a lot in the last couple of years, the backfire effect, which is this phenomenon that I'm sure we've talked about on here. Backfire effect is essentially this idea that whether you like it or not, there are certain there are cases where you the more you try to convince somebody of your point of view using facts or what you consider facts, Mm -hmm. the more people are perhaps irrationally to dig into whatever their point of view is. And people under attack do not feel like evolving. People under attack feel like fighting back. I mean, I, I, don't, I'm not, I don't mean this to be a winking arch way of saying how we heal the nation, but like you, I think you have to accept that everybody is not you in life. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, we forget that. It's very easy to forget. Child care. Look, look at child care. Look we, at child care. I mean, how many times does that happen where you're like, you see a kid walking around and you're like, oh my God, how could you let that kid walk around in bare feet at this area? Or how could you not have a jacket on that kid or a hat? I see babies without a hat on and I like get all flustered. And then I instantly remember all the times that people have said stuff to me about like how I should be taking care of my kid and it made me furious and it made me push back even harder. and said, you know what? This kid's just not going to wear shoes anymore. Like you're an idiot.
1: Yeah, everybody seems to have a different a different concept. And even when our, our philosophies do kind of align, there'll always be these differences where it's like, well, these nine things we agree on, but this other one thing, I now think that person's completely insane for doing it the way that they do. it.
0: There's times when it's hard not to do that. Oh, I don't, I almost don't want to say this, but cause I don't, well, it's funny. A mom that we knew from play play group when um, our daughter was little, she'd actually, it looks like it's on Facebook now. She had started a site called that baby looks cold And it was where she would just collect all of the random things that strangers would say to her in San Francisco about what she'd be doing. She should be doing differently to raise
1: her child. Just to her? Not that she overheard, but like specifically to her?
0: I I mean, like mostly to her. That's great. I mean, there was a time when I really felt like, you know, people's um, what's the what's the word we use now? Boundaries. Yeah. That sense of like what's appropriate to say to a stranger, you know? And I still I still, I still, still feel it both ways. You know, I, I, I mean, like I'll be riding on the bus and I'll be like, or the train and I'll just be like, oh my God, teach that kid how to hold onto the rail or they're going to lose all of their teeth when this guy hits the brakes. Mm. You've got to learn if you're on the 28 bus, you're going to get thrown around. You really need to hang on to something like you're falling all the time. But, you know, abundance of caution. What are you going to do about your spoons? You've got 143 spoons and gonna left. Gonna what are you going to gonna go do? I'm just going
1: to have to go through them and just use them. Maybe I'll drink more tea so I can, you know... I usually, I'll use the spoon, like I'll use a spoon the whole day. If I have two or three cups of, of tea or something, that spoon's staying with me all day. So at this rate, this will be years before I'm through this. Mm. Ase- aseptic processing is, I've never heard of this, so I looked it up. Yeah. Aseptic processing is a process by which a sterile or aseptic product, typically food or pharm- pharmaceutical,
0: pharmaceutical, mm hmm
1: is packaged in a sterile container in a way that maintains sterility. Sterility is achieved with a flash heating process, which retains more nutrients and uses less energy than conventional sterilization, such as retort or hot Hmm. fill canning. Hot fill canning. So I guess they're heating the thing up, and then they put it in this container with a tight polyethylene inside layer and then they form a tight seal against microbiological organisms, contaminants, and degradation, eliminating the need for refrigeration. So that's how come you can get a yuhu in that little box Yep, and it doesn't have to be refrigerated. Who knew?
0: And here's, yeah, a, I mean, here's like, a
1: photo of a guy processing a, a sweet potato puree and filling mm. a sterile plastic bag. Oh, look at that. I, I had well, no I mean, idea. Who knew? The,
0: um, those, you know, the classic for us, when my daughter was drinking more milk, well, she's drinking way less milk now it was a horizon brand, um, aseptic milks. It's the you know, classic kind of like box of milk with the cow on it. Mm-hmm. And those are, I, I still think even if you're not going to use those day to day, they're not, a, it's not bad to keep them around. You know what I mean? It's almost like uh, detective bookman on Seinfeld. No, it keeps him in the coffee around, You keep it around. It's in a jar. You just use it. Like this is good to have around, not just for earthquakes, but just for whenever. Yeah. But you know, given the option, we'll always use a glass instead. Um, but it's also good for earthquakes and tornadoes and stuff.
1: Oh like no that. doubt.
0: Yeah. Um, what is your compost situation at your home? Do you guys do you guys have formal compost containers?
1: We do not. As I mean, I'm sure there are lots of people in Austin that are composting, or, but there is no like composting pickup. There is no setup for it. They don't give you anything. If if I want to compost, I, I would have to do it all on my own, which That's not, we, we used to do a compost like with the big black bin
0: and turning it over right. and all that kind of stuff.
1: I don't know a thing it's, about it's it. It's a
0: little bit of a lifestyle because you can't put, you're not, I think there's all kinds of stuff you're not supposed to put in there, like meat and stuff like that. Oh really? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know the first, I don't know the first thing about composting. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know where to start or how to do it or what's involved.
0: My lady took a class in, um, like this composting gardening class and uh-huh. she learned a lot about this stuff but i mean it's, it's not something you're going to do real casually otherwise you just basically have backyard garbage hot backyard garbage right <laughs> try to find this really cool uh thing they
1: gave us while i'm looking for this. Dan, would you be good enough to tell me about something that you like oh sure i would i would like to tell you about something in fact uh, i'd like to tell you about zip recruiter
0: zip recruiter, zip
1: recruiter. You're probably in a situation, Merlin, where you were mm-hmm. looking for great talent for your business. It's
0: so hard to find great talent for my business.
1: You know, and you want to make hiring easier. You want to make it more streamlined. You want to make it less time consuming. So that even if you were busy, you could still be smart away uh, by, by the way that you hire. And this is the thing. Your business, Merlin, mm-hmm. relies on it relies on the people that you bring in to work for you. This is true for all kinds of businesses, not, just, not just what I could you do.
0: definitely use some talent.
1: And it is very hard to find good help. It's very hard to find somebody who's going to be qualified, who's not going to waste your time. The amount of time that employers spend, not just finding an employee, but onboarding an employee, bringing them in, it is a huge, huge investment of time and resources to get somebody, bring them in, get them up to speed and you, that is, can be a huge, huge, huge waste of time if it turns out that in three months, six months, that person doesn't work out, which means it's incredibly important to find the right person the first time. And that's what ZipRecruiter is all about. ZipRecruiter makes it easy. They post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. You do this with just one click instead of you doing it manually every single time. Then they use their smart technology. They actively notify qualified candidates about your job so that you're getting the best possible matches. And this is why they're different. Unlike other hiring sites, they don't depend on the right candidates to find you. It finds them. That's amazing. Mm. That's an amazing thing. It's the smartest way to hire. So here's here's the thing. This is a whole new world. It's a new world. I mean, let's face it. We gotta we gotta keep up with it. And our listeners can now post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Mm. If they go to ZipRecruiter.com dot com slash back to work, and they'll they'll get this they'll get this for free. This is real. This I'm That's not crazy. making this up. You'll That's get crazy. That, does, job that doesn't
0: candidates. even that, that seems like an intemperate thing to do. How could you just give that away? That's crazy. I don't know.
1: You know what? I don't know. But they're doing mm. it. So make it up in volume. ZipRecruiter.com dot com slash back to work. Go there. The next time you need to hire someone, give these guys a try. They're doing good work. It's uh. It's a very effective way to, to find the right kind of people. ZipRecruiter.com slash back to work. We appreciate their support. Thank you very much, ZipRecruiter.
0: Dan Benjamin. This is a website I consider a good website. Um, you run so many websites that are run by like big organizations, and you go, that's not a very good website. Go to sfrecycles.org. It's in show
1: notes. sfrecycles.org. Mm-hmm. Look at that.
0: That's Not a good wh- website.
1: When you, look at that. They give you a pond, a pon, a pond coast or mm-hmm. a compost. Mm-hmm. So you do food scraps, you do food containers, you can put those in there. Paper. doity paper. Yard, yard waste, <laughs> <Dirty> wood. paper. <laughs> organic material. Does that mean poop? Mm-hmm. You can put poop in there?
0: I put the cat's poop in there. What I do is I shovel. In between removals, I shovel, I put it into a little paper bag and out of there. But check out like go Do to know that? I don't know. Click on Soft Plastic, and, and it reveals itself. Isn't that a good website? Yes. Now, here's the thing. In the, in the three or so weeks we've been doing this, it has been an eye-opener. Because normally you think like, oh, it's just – you think about like you remove the wrapper from a consumer good mm-hmm. of whatever kind. Right. And all you have is this – it's just this little bit of plastic, right? It's just you crumple it up and you throw it in the trash yes. you're not supposed. you're not supposed to – in most recycling systems I think, you know, there are people today I think who are still ex- sorting bottles versus cans and all that. We just got this one big blue container. Here's the crazy part of this. Uh, again, I made this my hobby cuz I'm super interesting, which is that I uh whenever I take the whenever we take the trash out for the week, I put the soft plastics bag on top and then I create a new one and I write the words soft plastics on it. Now that it's a hobby, oh my god, I had no idea it's, it's making me, you know, I'm a Ziploc man yeah title and I'm, I'm becoming less <laughs> of a Ziploc man cause I'm realizing how many goddamn Ziplocs we throw out every week. But <clears throat> I mean, that's part of the, part of the hobby now is like, I, I've, I'm, I'm forcing a change of mindset in myself and thinking like every time I would just be tempted to just go throw this in the trash, put it into the soft plastics bag. Oh my God. And we're not talking about a lot of, a lot of pounds, but like a fair amount of like, you know, cubic inches there's other things you can do like you know like you buy stuff from amazon i know we shouldn't buy stuff from amazon you buy stuff from amazon and frequently for smaller things it'll have those bubble air things which are great so much better than styrofoam obviously oh yeah but you know you pop those you can put that in the soft plastics but you ever get the uh <laughs> you buy a microphone stand it's in a box that's like five feet long and oh, it's just surrounded it's with like 60 feet yes. of craft paper yes well with that i mean this is a really dumb i thing that but like i used to just grab that and go hunk, 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 and wad it up and throw it in the trash it would uh-huh. fill half half of the recycling can uh boy this is so interesting i've started when i when i get something like that instead i fold it and i fold it again and i fold it really tight and it takes up less space than like a section of the newspaper by the time you're done
1: you can only Rielding, fold a piece of paper seven times
0: didn't they do that on MythBusters? did they ever do that
1: i don't know what they did on there
0: when I first heard that as a child, I was I was aghast oh, that course. that could be the case. I and mean, so I spent weeks, <laughs> weeks trying to figure out how I
1: could beat that. Did you ever beat it? No. No. You can't beat the system. The no. house always wins. Didn't they try something where they got a piece of paper, Very talk about recycling, big. that was like the, the size of a baseball stadium and they, yeah. they, and then, they had like a team of people. I, I
0: feel like this was a
1: myth <laughs> Yeah, did
0: Yeah. Were they able to do it? Let's see how cuz it has many to be in half. You have to times. be able to fold it
1: in half, not just a fold, you know.
0: Yeah, there's there's no there's no hack on this. You're not supposed to go like, "Oh, I made like these little folds around the edge." It's how many times can you fold a piece of paper in half? How many times can you fold a piece of paper? The myth, you can't fold a paper in half more than 8 times. The reality, given a paper large enough and enough energy, you can fold it as many times as you want. <laughs> the problem, if you fold it 103 times, The thickness of your paper will be larger than the observable universe. What? Huh? There's a reason I don't go to Gizmodo. Um, (laughs) Is that a joke? No, I'm just reading the top return on the Mm. search site. Um, I also put in show notes, and this is not helpful to anyone. This will just make you envious of how great our recycling is here. Um, The little signs you can print out. Yeah, look at that. I love well, that you guys have re- uh,
1: recycled. The the only thing Austin has done to encourage recycling uh, you is don't, that you don't get a separate container for recycling. We do. We do get a separate container for recycling uh, and it's huge. It's, it's, it's two to three times the size of the trash can that they give you. The, if you just, if you just, let's say you buy a house mm-hmm. or rent a house, or I, I don't know if it's the same for apartments, but I know it for houses, you, you show up and they will deliver for free. A trash can and a recycling bin, and the recycling bin, a large adult man could easily get in there and close the lid on himself. No problem. Nice, easy, easy. The trash can make a home
0: office. Yes,
1: he could work. It's called working from home. Telecommuting.
0: (laughs) I'm working. I'm working from home today.
1: i couldn't b- who just joined the call uh, yeah <laughs> uh you could barely fit a, a cat into the size of the trash can that they give you by default not that you would want to fit a cat in there but if you no. wanted to you could barely do it and it's it's insulting it's i don't know who would use it and it to get a bigger one you have to pay for a bigger one and the bigger one the large size one is just a regular size trash can. But I guess this is Austin's way of saying you should be recycling things and not throwing things out. Dummy. Uh, so it sounds
0: like their way of doing it. Yeah. That's what it sounds like to me.
1: But yeah, they, they, it's, it's one of those things. Isn't it like if the plate's really big, you'll eat more of the cookies. And if the plate's oh, that is, that is so
0: true. Something that
1: like is- that. Except with trash.
0: Well, that's supposedly. I, supposedly, I think we'll probably talk about Publix at some point today because it's back to work. Right. Um, su- supposedly, that that was the origin of those big trolleys, as they say in England. Was that like you know, if you've got a bigger cart, you're more likely to put lots of stuff in it. I know that if I if I um, if I grab the little hand sized one, the little basket to carry around. Mm-hmm. I will I will push up to the edge of sanity to where that thing is. And I, I, I'll, I'll make it like a personal dare with myself. Like There's no way I'm going to get the cart. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm a big boy. I know how much I can. No, can't do it. Can't do it.
1: Speaking of Publix. Uh, Publix, one, where shopping is a pleasure. One of the things that I used to do uh, when I worked at Publix, and all, all the other baggers used to do this too, but uh, this was something I took great pride in. Was my ability to, in the parking lot, run, run, pushing the cart, run, and then you jump on the cart and there's that little bar that goes across between the wheels in the back Mm -hmm. and Publix had really good, a good sturdy bar. So you could get running really fast and you could jump and then ride the cart across the parking lot and stand while you're standing on the back of this little bar that would go across Mm -hmm. it. And I, what it, if you had enough time to practice with this, you found that if you, you could take your foot, the bottom of your shoe and press it on one of the wheels and you could turn sort of like in, in battle zone, how you push one, one way, one the other way. Smart. Yeah. So I could, you could do sort of tricks with the cart and there was one. So if you
0: step on the left wheel a little bit, you start to turn left, turn
1: left, look, left. look, left, go left, look, left. (laughs) And, and so there was one kid who would do it, but he had a way of doing it where he would sort of slam his foot down on it and it would cause the cart to sort of um flip like a like a like an eighteen wheeler going down the street and it is that called drifting Dan was he drifting Well, he'd do it in such a way that that the cart would start to flip over itself and he would leap off while doing this, and the cart would then roll over on itself in a very effective way. That's a cool look, yeah. But you could do that, and it, you know it made sense because if you're on your feet eight hours on a Saturday or something, working a long day, you just kind of want to take a break, and the only way you could get a break is you just sort of would ride the cart, and you could kind of steer it, and yeah.
0: You know. I, I got to be dead honest with you. First of all, I know exactly what you're talking about with the bar. Yeah. I, I miss, I miss riding carts. It was fun. It was fun. Well, this actually also gets into another thing of like, you know, you think about the idea of consumption and how we consume and I there was a great, I want to say Harper's article about this, about this virtuous or unvirtuous cycle of you get a big house, so then you need a big car to mm-hmm. buy all the big things mm-hmm. that you put in your house and then you start going to Costco and buying bigger and bigger things. Well, you think about communities where like around here, there's just not as much parking or you park on the roof of a Safeway. Like it's oh, really yeah, yeah. crazy. And like, you know, I don't even know where I would ride a cart like that. Now
1: there, we Oh no, have they, a, right. You don't even space. have a, a, a big open space like that. I remember the, one of the first times that I was in San Francisco, it was on a trip with uh with a designer friend of mine. And this is back in the corked time period, Dan Cedar home and I, uh, and for some reason we needed to go to like an office depot type store together. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, and were you downtown? Yeah. And it was like a, like in it's like in the it's just like wedged in with like a store like in the yeah thing. you
0: probably you probably went to that one that's over near like fourth or fifth yeah where it's like there's like a restaurant next yes, door yes, there's yes. a food court inside yes yeah and you go inside and it's this little dinky yeah little dinky could, like staples yeah
1: and i was like what is going on because you know at the time you used, used to being in florida right we're like i mean has has anyone ever
0: filled a walmart parking lot no no it's impossible it's impossible Right, like like here, like you just if it's Christmas time and you go to the mall, like just forget it. Like <laughs> there's no such thing as endless parking. But the many kids are being deprived of riding carts
1: around in a day. I know. Way. I couldn't believe. It. I'm like, what? Well, how is this here? I was expecting a a big old thing with like room and walking around and big aisles. And then it, big wow. San
0: Francisco, fancy
1: yeah. Staples. Yep.
0: Now, were you able to do that thing? where you're collecting carts and you could kind of like ghost ride it into the right place. Oh go Chunk. Yeah. I bet you
1: got pretty good at that. I was fairly good at that. And now they have little machines that
0: they have machines that do all the heavy lifting for you.
1: But we used to have to go with, this is called a cart check because people would take, they would, they would, they would reject the, my job, which was as a bagger, which was to bag your groceries and then take it to your car. And like Publix was adamant that you had to do this Mm-hmm. You were if 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 a customer you're not
0: allowed to refuse it, and you're not allowed to tip.
1: That's right. And if and and, and the customer would be like, "No, I don't need any help." you'd be like, "I'm supposed to help you." Like, well, I don't want you to help me, but I'm. It's my my job to help me to help you. And they'd be like, "I don't need your help." Mm. And you'd stand there like, Ugh. and then they'd go out, and you know that you're going to find that cart way out in the other end of the parking lot, and that was so they would send you out on a cart check, which meant you had to go run out, get all the carts in the parking lot, and you'd be pushing them together in a big. A big line.
0: That's like dry, that's like like reversing in a tractor. The, hu- like the human centipede like, of carts. Hum- oh dear! Oh no! <laughs> oh dear! Oh, I could have done without that. But that, that's exactly <laughs> right. Accurate. It's like a human centipede, but with carts. Yeah. That must take some very special driving skills to I, not lose yeah. the carts and like not hit a kid.
1: I did. Yeah. I one time I did hit hit somebody by accident. Oh, man. I know. I was, I was, I could have sworn I was going to get fired, but they didn't fire me because it really mm-hmm. was an accident.
0: Yeah, well, accidents happen.
1: Yeah. I felt so bad. I still think about it sometimes. I wish I'd like, replay it in my mind. I'm like, no, What's, just stop that's a, stop nice, a little That's faster. a nice feature. Stop that's a, a nice feature.
0: Nice feature of the human mind. <laughs> we got some, uh, I'd like you to address this if you're into it. We got a uh, nice note from a uh, listener, Charles, about your
1: tenure at Publix. Would you like to address this? Uh, sure. Should I, Should I read it? Yeah, please. Okay. Uh, long time, first time. Several weeks ago, I was listening to your episode diggity three, four, three of your back to work program. Dan nice was talking pull. about his experience working at Publix, his story regarding accepting a promotion to bottles instead of waiting for the job he really wanted. And his subsequent realization that taking this represented a failure on his part to be true to himself really resonated with me. How do you reconcile your happiness and whatever success you have with the failures and the mistakes you've made? when you're talking to your kids or giving advice to others. Should I continue?
0: If you want, I, th- I think that's the basic gist, Yeah, but I think, uh, boy, do I ever know that feeling?
1: Yeah. For real. Mm hmm. Um, try and be better than me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the thing. You say stuff to your kids and it's like, yeah, you know what? Um, be better than me. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, it's, I think, I don't know if, if that's a typical thing for a parent to feel, I think it is, is that you want, you want your kids to like... Well, there's, there's like,
0: people who admit that and there's liars. Tell me that what, is what, my, what is my you feeling.
1: Tell me what you mean.
0: Well, I mean, again, now that sounds so judgy, this episode, but you know, uh, there's this, I think people have stories that they tell themselves about... How and why the world is the way it is. And in particular, how and why their world is the way it is. And we all like to think that we are the scion of the great meritocracy where we have gotten exactly where we are because of our hard work and uh, unblinking, you know, optimism and putting up with all kinds of systems. And anybody who doesn't do it the way he did is like a, is like a bad person. And, you know, it's, it's one reason I'm so attracted to insecure people. Not people who are insecure in order to get compliments, but I like people who doubt how much they understand about the world. You know, people who have not become incurious about why things are not always what they seem. I think you can't help but be that way, especially when you've got a kid, because in an ideal world, you would want your, it's not, I realize this is not specifically about kids, but I think that's where you really feel it in a very pointed way is like, I mean, it's all I can do not to say to my kid, you know what? I hated homework a thousand times more than you vaguely dislike. homework." (laughs) Like you have no idea how many times I phoned it in, how many times I just didn't do it and hoped that nobody would notice. Like, I, but you know what? You got to do the homework just because what I, what I, what I can tell you, but you won't understand is I have to be consistent about this. Even though I don't want to be, you can't say that you can't say, you know what? This consistency is not fun for me. Forcing you to take a shower every night is not fun for me. Um, Cause I, I hated that too. I'd, I'd rather just sit around and read a book or play a video game too, yeah. you know? Yep. But like you kind of have to, in that sense, you do have to fake it until you make it, but child or otherwise talking about his experiences, how do you reconcile your happiness and whatever success you have with the failures and the mistakes you have made when you're talking to your kids or giving advice to others? Right.
1: Because being a good parent doesn't mean keeping your kids from making mistakes. Like there, mm-hmm. there are, I think there are a lot of parents. I see it a lot that they and I don't I totally understand this too but they don't want their it's not like they don't want their kid to you know fall off something and crack their head open obviously we don't want that to happen but you know letting your kid figure something out for themselves letting them make a mistake letting them lose at, an, at a thing that they're trying to do you know because th- that like those things are okay we have this culture where you know and this is almost like a quit topic, but where, where kids get a trophy just for showing up and you know, like we, okay. So we had this thing uh, where, you know, it, it's for the kids and they go and they have like a, they're like little event things that they're doing. And there's like a, like a carnival thing and there's like a ring toss and other things. But like, if you, if you toss the horseshoes and you don't get any of them on the post. You still get to pick, you get to pick a small prize instead of a big prize. When I, mm-hmm. when we were kids, we would have got no prize. I think.
0: Well, I never got a does, prize does have an I... accommodation for being close. Does it? Yeah. Well, you ever heard that phrase almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades? Ooh, no. So maybe, really? maybe, I, no, I've never heard that. You get different points for like, if you nail, I don't know the rules of horseshoes, but like, I'm pretty sure you get, more points if you nail it and makes a ting sound and it goes around you can get a certain amount of points i think if it's leaning Mm. and then i think there's even like the ultimate kind of millennium uh you know uh white ribbon (laughs) where like if you're closer than your
1: opponent you get a point i think okay all right i can go i know about that part where you can get closer than your opponent but this was just like a a one-person event and but there were lots of things like that, you know, like throw the basketball in the hoop. If you don't get any, you still pick a prize. I feel like losing's okay. Like it's not good, you want to win, right. right? But like it, it, you need to you need to have the experience of insignificant losses in your life to appreciate wins when you get them and also to understand that you don't always win. because in the real world, if you don't right. do well in the job interview, you don't get the job, you, you could potentially become crushed by that. Because you've never not gotten something in your life, even when you when yes. you tried for it, even if you don't try yeah. that hard. And and what it teaches is a, a kind of, I believe, a kind of laziness that well, I don't really have to try hard. I'm still going to get the thing. I'm still going to get whatever the thing I, is. I
0: think it's. I, I think I, I kind of agree with you, but I think it's more complicated than most of us give it credit for. Because on the one hand, yeah, you would say like, oh, you know, uh, it doesn't it doesn't seem fair or reasonable or useful. To have everybody get this trophy just because they showed up. Right. Like, or, and, and then I think there's, a, there also is a case to be made. Something I never fully appreciated with stuff like sports, because it's kind of true of grades, is this, and again, part of this is it's this entire myth, myth of meritocracy that we all like to believe in. But I think, I think one thing you can make a case for, this might be kind of what you're saying. You can tell me if you agree or not, but I think there's a case to be made for providing opportunities for non-catastrophic loss in life. right? So that could be something like, well, it's okay to roughhouse, but roughhouse on the mats. Mm-hmm. Like don't roughhouse, you know, uh, near the pointy things. <laughs> and definitely not near the TV, for God's sake, not near the TV. But you know what I'm saying? Like I think I think there's a case to be made for saying on the one hand, uh, you know, you don't win all the time. Um, and that's super complicated and and interesting. There's all kinds of values to draw from that. I will include several of these. You know what? it's okay to get some credit for showing up because as, well, Woody Allen said, you know, showing up is 80% of life or whatever. Like showing up does does make a difference. And so doing things like marking you tardy, that will encourage you because that is a, a negative reinforcement of saying, well, I'm probably using it wrong and I'll get email. But, you know, to have not many tardies on your report card this quarter is a good thing or this semester. That's all, That's that's a good thing. It's also a way to say that you don't win all the time and there's something to be learned that we used to call sportsmanship. You know, be a, be a good winner and don't be a sore, sore right, winner right, or a right. sore loser. Um, I think the thing that's difficult, very difficult, maybe impossible to communicate to a kid of our kids' ages is that, you know what? Um, further, further to the catastrophe point, losing is not the end of things. And just, you know, just because you didn't win this one doesn't mean you're a bad person. And further to that, just because you never win at this thing does not make you a bad person. Maybe this is not your thing, but you you will learn that you survive failures in life, whether you want to or not. It's a Kierkegaard thing. Like even though you want to be consumed by your feeling of dread about this, you won't be. So it's a question of when you realize that you will survive until the day you die, That's if that really starts to sink in, you get a slightly different comportment about life, I think. So I think that's all true. The part I would worry about a little bit is I I think sometimes we need to ask ourselves, why is this a competition? Why is this being scored? Mm. Why is there a public acknowledgement that some people are better at this than others? That That is not a trick question. That is, as they say on Twitter, an honest question. Because I think the way you answer that becomes very important. I think what some people don't want to admit is that they like to compete heavily in things that they're good at. And they, I know it's true for me. I'm very open to competition and stuff I can win. But like, how do you become competitive about stuff you never win? How many people do you meet every day who are super competitive at something they've never won at? There's something about them. They've got a fire inside of them that, that you wouldn't have if you always pick the stuff that you won right. at. Right. I think it all – and again, I, not to beat this to death, but I think the meritocracy thing is very overrated. I think there's a huge amount of privilege in most of what we consider meritocracy that is not being considered. That's not a political statement. That's a reality statement. You know, If, you're, if you were born on third and think you hit a triple, that doesn't mean you go to the all-star game. Here's the thing, Dan. So I, I just feel like it is important, important to say like, okay, well, why do we give grades? Well, a smart reason to give grades is because you know how well you're doing at the topic maybe more specifically, are you? if you had to guess your grade before I give it to you, what do you think your grade is? What do you think your grade should be? Mm -hmm. So the grade serves, assuming that the grade is given fairly and equitably to everybody for the same criteria that were clearly stated, you can say, as as CGP Gray, I think very intelligently said when he was a teacher, I didn't, you know, you're mad at me because you say I gave you a bad grade. I didn't give you a grade of any kind you earned that grade that's quote unquote good or bad you are not you are not a disinterested third party in this right you the whole reason we're here is for you to learn school things mm-hmm. and the grade is our way of saying how well you learn the school thing hopefully again according to these standards so that's that, that's my only proviso or my little asterisk is like i think we should talk about this broader issue of like you know when we want people to be competitive. Like, what should, what should winning mean? And if you, uh, I mean, are there times, aren't there times when you're really pulling for that little kid who's just trying really, really hard, even though they come in second to the last, to
1: last place, you know, definitely. And that's the hardest part about it is like, if you're lucky enough to have, to be one of these parents whose kid is just naturally great at everything and always wins good, but for the rest of us whose kids try and don't always win, yeah, you want them to get some credit. Uh, you want them to be, you know, rewarded in a way. And that old saying of like, well, it doesn't matter if you win or lose as long as you tried. Like that's kind of a BS thing to be told. I remember being told that. I mean, well, it's a lie. It's yeah. a
0: lie because you're being – I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like that makes me so angry because people say that like, Meh. well, how would you feel about that? Like you, you know, the people who say that is the people who've set the system up so that they get to win. Like the thing is that, you know, it, you feel like it builds character. Well, the character you've built is like, you're kind of a, a snooty jerk about this. Like that's the games that you want to play. But like, you know, what are, are you, are you trying to make everybody Better at something? Are you trying to weed out certain kinds of people? Are you trying to really encourage people to continue to feel bad about themselves because of who they are and what they do? I'm making this political and I don't mean to be. But I'm, go ahead, I'm sorry. That just makes me mad. It just makes me mad when I see grown ups trying to, or nominal grown ups out there trying to basically see their worldview played out in the lives of young people and especially children by setting up a system. That tells them that they've made all the right decisions in life. They're mm-hmm. not open to the idea that the world is evolving. They're not open to the idea of like, now we understand there's different kinds of intelligences in a way we didn't use to understand. Now we understand that just because you have uh, astigmatism or you have dyslexia doesn't mean you're quote unquote stupid. Right. You know, my father was stupid because he had terrible eyesight. He was not a stupid man, but like he had some bad luck with childhood illnesses and a crummy pair of glasses, and everybody thought he was dumb. And now you're the dumb kid who didn't compete well, and you just don't have the fire in your belly. And it's like, well, you know, who gets to decide who wins these things? Because a lot of times they have heavily weighted it to be a little passion play about how they think the world works. Then they call that meritocracy, and I think that's flatly unfair.
1: Yeah, I mean coming from the kid who never won anything and I really didn't like, I, (laughs) it sounds like the saddest children's book ever. (laughs) Yeah. The kid who never won anything, but it's true. Like I didn't, I never won anything. You know, I was never, I was never the fastest. I was never the biggest. I was never the strongest. I never had the best accuracy. I I remember one time uh, it was summer camp and my, it was like parents day and your parents come and they watch you do this crap that you normally do running around and whatever else and yeah for whatever reason uh that day i shot a bullseye with the arrow you know the bow and arrow mm-hmm. and i actually hit a home run and uh, this came from not even hitting the target the whole summer and striking out every time i was up to bat and that's really improbable you had a very good day right but the the thing is like that was a, such a fluke and like i felt like what it was like for one day to feel like what most kids that i knew felt like on a regular basis which is they could throw and catch a ball easily if they wanted to and that it was actually fun like you didn't you didn't feel perma incompetent yeah and you know that there's there's something about that of like Being good at something, especially the kinds of things that we really value in our society to be good at, especially when you're kids, which is like, maybe less these days, but when we were kids, I mean, it was, if you didn't, if you weren't like good at hitting a baseball or, you know, competent at throwing and catching a football, like there wasn't much for you to do out with the other kids, you know, and I was never very good at that kind of stuff. I was never, I was always the smallest kid, you know, and so, coming from that kind of a, kind of a standpoint, you know, I totally get what it feels like to not get the trophy, to not be even on the winning team. You know, to mm-hmm. to to not even uh, very frequently. Oh, well, you don't. We don't want to pick Danny because, like, he can't even catch a ball if we throw it to him. We need to throw it to him. You know, like getting picked last consistently. Um, right, and
0: now you now you wear that like a sign.
1: Yeah, like I a mean, guy who doesn't, guy who doesn't get thrown to, right? And that becomes like a thing, and nobody wants that. And so th- the way I guess that they counter because they don't want kids to feel bad, because they don't want kids to feel bad, and they and then they don't want their parents to complain, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So now everyone gets a trophy just for showing up, and I I I feel like as the kid who never got a trophy, I have a problem with that. I feel like you know y- y- there's something about it that you know yes you participate and you try hard and there should be some kind of a reward for that but it shouldn't be the same thing that the kids who won got and i I know that sounds kind of harsh but i feel like i want my goal is to prepare my my kids for the real world and they're not always going to win they just won't it's the world
0: That, that does make sense. But I, I always, I also just worry about unintended, unintended consequences of those kinds of things where like you, something you've heard me say now several times, something I really work, try to work with and struggle with, with my daughter, which is like, before you answer the question, really read the question and read the directions. Like, you know, me, I'm a manual reader. I I always read the directions, even when I don't need to. And I'll tell you why, because like a day is going to come. Maybe it'll be when you're in college and you're, somebody's going to hand you a test, right? They're going to hand you a test with whatever, it's a quiz with 10 questions sure. on it. And you're going to go, all right, I know all the answers to this, and you fill it all in. What if the directions at the top of the page said, make a square around question number two? Well, you see where I'm going with this? Yes, I think so. Okay, so what I'm saying is, and I'll give you a funny real world example of this. If you don't learn what they're asking for, In the question, or you don't inquire, what is this in service of? What do you want me to do here? Well, guess what? If you took it, if you got a 10, you've got an algebra, like a pre algebra quiz with 10 questions on it, and the directions at the top of the page simply said in one sentence of very clear English, use your your pencil to draw a rectangle around question number two. Well, if you went through and answered every one of your pre algebra quiz questions flawlessly, you fail the test. You failed the test because you didn't read the directions. Mm. Okay, this is something that my beloved Two Cats Comics three twenty West Portal Avenue does. When they when they hire people, I've told you this story. You come into Two Cats and you say, "Okay." They say, "Hey, we're 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 accepting applications." How have I told you this? I've told you this story. I, yeah?
1: I'm waiting to remember it. Maybe you have. I, I don't. Well, there's there's certain things that they value there um, at Two Cats. In
0: addition to being you know a good communicator and a kind person and open to lots of different backgrounds and whatever's like, it's very important to them that everybody feel welcome in that store and and listened to and helped. So you go in there and see, I learned about this from Christian, who's kind of the head owner amongst owners there. And so people will come in there and I'm trying to remember exactly how this goes, but you'll get the gist. You come in and they say, oh, uh, give me an application. And then there's a, um, there's a cup full of like, like green pens and a pile of applications say, okay, here's the application. Person grabs a green pen, starts filling it out. Says at the very, very top of the page application for employment and something along the lines of number one do not fill out this application in the store. Number two, <laughs> do not use a green pen. And number three, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Right. So, so what does this do? Well, Oh gosh, what a mean thing to do. Why don't you just act like everybody else? No, cause they're not everybody else. Right. They don't want somebody who thinks they're the smartest kid in the class. They want somebody who under, who communicates well, both outwardly and out- outbound and inbound communication. They want somebody who reads the directions. That's the kind of person that they want to hire. And so, the reason I'm saying all of that here is that, like, I feel like sometimes we hand somebody a quiz without ever giving them the directions. And I, I feel I struggle with this with homework. I have to tell you the truth. I've told you before, I struggle a little bit with the reading log because my kid is an inveterate reader and it becomes a drag that she has to fill out the reading log. Right. I kind of feel like I wish there I wish it was something more specific both to the day to day instructions for it. Cause she just phones it in. She just fills it in, turns it in on Friday. It's fine. She's reading hundreds of pages a week. It's not reflected in the quality of her work there because, and this is nothing against the teachers, but like in that case, I think it's helpful to say, I think a good teacher says to you, um, we're giving you this test to measure it's a rally, not a race. We want to see that you have done this every day. Don't do all five entries on Monday. We want to see you spend 10 minutes on this every school day and then turn it in. They could say that. Or they could say, hey, look, just fill this with a bunch of garbage and be as creative as you want to be. Like, they could say that. This is an exercise in creativity. They could say, this is an exercise in penmanship. It's very important to us that you fill this out very neatly. You could say, this is an exercise in um, reading comprehension. So your word choices and how you put this together, this is an exercise in grammar, right? But if you don't say anything... (laughs) how are you to glean what this is in service of? So if we say to somebody, okay, you know what? Today we're having a running race and this is to determine who the best kid is. Whoever runs this race, the fastest gets the big trophy and everybody else gets the donkey behind court curtain. Number three. I just feel like that's important that that can be, I know a sports seem self-evident, something, something character. I just think it's valuable to, to provide directions, to teach people how to be good. Dan, didn't you learn this with the SAT? I mean, when you're doing SAT or, you know, or ACT or LSAT yeah. or, uh, what's the one, the GRE, mm-hmm. like the first thing they bang into your head. I feel like one of the, you get your two number two pencils, you come in there, always read the directions, always go straight, test taking strategies, go straight to the ones that you can get easily. Don't get hung up on the first one. If you don't know the answer, come back to it, Right. That is the strategy for life. The strategy for life is not get 100% and get the big trophy. The strategy of life is learn how to work the system in the way that it's expected to be. Learn where your ability to excel at something will be recognized and not punished. Learn where sticking out in one case is going to make you distinctive rather than a pain in the ass. That's, to me, the life skill. The big life skill is like, hey, look, systems suck but you're going to have systems for the rest of your life. We don't want you to gain the system. We don't want you to cheat the system. But like, there's a reason we remember how captain Kirk won the Kobayashi Maru, you know, it's because he did something outside the box that showed him to be a distinguished leader in a way that the people who wanted to get the test flawlessly didn't get. Right. That's the exception that proves the rule. Right. I'm sorry. I'm ranting. I just, I get, I get so frustrated that like, it just seems like there's so much stuff that gets presented to, to us as this, Oh, you know, this is tradition. And this is historical and this is how we do this. And there's so rarely any real vetting of how we got to where we are with this and why we think this is still a good idea. In the absence of discussion that adds clarity to that, rich, large people continue to win. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's the part. But you're you're talking
1: more about what some people call grit probably, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I I feel like we have this interesting and and potentially strange and for the first time in history kind of thing culture that they want everybody everybody has to succeed no matter what it is and they all get treated the same whether they win or lose and I mean I think there's such a, a hopeful wonderful feeling behind that. It's like who wants to see their kid bummed out? Because they didn't, right. they didn't do the thing that they but were supposed like to do. But it's not like you are
0: doing them a huge favor to say, "Oh, it's okay." You are part of this great unwashed masses that all got this forty-nine cent trophy, so everything's good.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. I remember the first time that I got uh, a consolation prize. Was it some kind of like school carnival event thing? And you were, you know, we had those where you you have a bottle toss where you try and toss the ring on top of the bottle, and yeah, if you you know if you get it, you win a goldfish, and if you don't get it, you you get a consolation prize. I had never heard the term consolation prize before. And the consolation prize, it's a prize to console you. (laughs) That's right. And it it was, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what the word meant or anything like that. And it was a little plastic beetle that had a squishy little bulb for a stomach. And you would put this thing in the water and squeeze the bulb and it would suck the water into it, and it was basically like a little, not really a water gun, but you could then squirt water out of the beetle. You ever hmm. seen
0: this thing? Yeah. Yeah, it's classic, kind of like carnival right. giveaway.
1: Right, right. And I, I got one it's of like those. It's
0: like one, one step above, like, you know, uh, plastic spider. <laughs> yes. Oh, spider ring. Thanks. That'll be great for... <laughs>
1: that's exactly... The thing, the
0: ...thing I wear on my hand all the time. Thanks, right. that's awesome. Yeah. Right, Oh, right. yeah, a spider ring. Oh, yeah, spider ring. I, I got this in third grade. It's pretty
1: baller. Right. And, and, and so I got this... I was thrilled. I thought it was the best thing ever. I'm like, I lost, but I still got this cool thing. I probably, I knew I wouldn't have been able to, be allowed to keep a goldfish anyway. So this was like a big win for me. And that sent the wrong signal because the next time that I did some stupid event and I didn't get anything, I'm like, (laughs) what's the consolation prize? And the guy's like, get out of here is the consolation prize. When they they tell you to lead, follow, or get get out of the way, you're not supposed to get out of the way. Right. I mean, in 1976, 78, like... They didn't care. Get out of here, kid. You didn't win nothing. You know, oh. But now, I imagine if you said that to a kid today.
0: I I, I, see, you know, with athletics and contests of skill, I'm a little bit more amenable to that because i feel like the rules are straight like get this ball over this line whoever right. does that the most time gets the most sports <laughs> right. points right right like, that that feels clear to me when it comes to something like an academic environment or whether it's a scholarship or you know any of the the various things where there are high stakes yes. to getting i agree to not being not being the winner i agree then then you're saying okay well we're giving these rewards to the winners and like to me the more interesting question is why are there so many losers because there's a couple quick answers to that. One, one answer to that is that somebody's getting resources. Do, is it really just natural innate skills that make all these people that good at this? Maybe it was because they had you know, parents like Dan who encouraged them to like have grit and, and be good at stuff. Or, or, or is it possible that you've created a, a structure to the system where there's a necessary number of losers in order to have a small handful of winners? And
1: that, that's where that
0: gets problematic. I have one more anecdote, but we're. I need to hear about one more thing that
1: you like, please. Yes, I would like to tell you about Casper. Oh, <laughs> Casper! That's a sleep surface. It is a sleep surface. In fact, these days, Merlin, it's more than a sleep surface. That's that's more. Yes, because they have other they have other things now. They have, you know them, of course, as the company that makes an incredibly comfortable mattress. That's what they're known for, and they're still doing that. You spend a third of your life sleeping. You should be comfortable. That's their philosophy. And they make these mattresses that provide wonderful support, all the support you need in all the right places, high quality stuff. They use multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with a wonderful, comfortable feeling. And that's the thing you're getting support, but it's still comfortable. Whenever people mm-hmm. think, oh, the mattress is going to be supportive. They're said. Well, it's going to be hard. It's going to be too firm. That sounds. That's not like you're saying hard. We're not saying hard. It's no. supportive,
0: and then it's got that little cushy top. It's really. That's nice. right.
1: It's very lovely, and uh, you know they're uh, they're making a high quality thing. But they they have uh, three different mattresses now. They've got the original Casper. They've got one called the Wave, and they've got one called the Essential. But they are not just a mattress company. They're just they care about your sleep. They want to improve your overall sleep experience. So they've got a lot of other things. They've got other things that they make. They've got sheets. They've got pillows. You need to go and check this stuff out, because they're constantly doing more. They're they're uh, they're adjusting to the world that says we need more than just a mattress to sleep. Oh, what do you need? We need sheets. We'll do that. You need pillows? Fine. We'll do that. We'll do whatever you need to give you a good night's sleep. They can run with that. Just Oof. an idea guy here. So th- this is the thing: a hundred night risk free sleep on it trial. There's no risk to this. You get it. You get it for 100 nights. If at any point in that time you don't like it, they will come and take it away and refund you and it's it's all free. I mean, it is it is an amazing, amazing thing. It makes it so easy to do it. It comes in the little box. How did they fit a whole mattress in the box? You can bring it in by yourself. You don't need like a crew of people. Free shipping and returns in the US and Canada. All this stuff is great. I've slept on a mattress, a Casper mattress many times. I think you have... One, two, don't you? Mm-hmm. Or two, maybe you have three yeah, we do. now. We love them, love them. And uh, this is the deal. You can get a $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash back to work, casper.com slash back to work, and use the code back to work at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Terms and conditions apply. But that's it, casper.com slash back to work. Thanks, Casper, for making this show Casper. possible.
0: <laughs> buck, buck uh 5th or 6th grade probably 5th grade um in uh, what my daughter calls P- she thinks it's so hilarious that I call it gym she's like it's not gym it's pe and i said no i went to school at a time when things had names rather than acronyms or hipster it wasn't we didn't it wasn't a media center it was a library it wasn't physical education it was gym anyway and so we were doing some kind of fairly classic um you know, pentathlon type things. There were running races, there was um, jumping things, rope climbing. I don't know how this happened. There's a few times in my life when I have been a winner and I don't know how this happened. But, and I might get this wrong, so forgive me, but at at some point, I don't know why or how, I managed to have that year's fifth grade school record for broad jump, for standing long jump. Really? You put your your toes on on the little stripe and you jump. And I went, I have memory serves, it was six feet. Which seemed like a lot. Wow, a that kid. does
1: seem like a lot. Six well, it's feet? not like a
0: record, it's not like a record or anything. But you know, sometimes a blind hog f- finds an acorn, and it was it was it was a, it was a huge <laughs> wait, source of pride. Wait, wait, wait,
1: what? A blind what? Yeah. Sometimes
0: a blind, even a blind hog finds an acorn.
1: A hog like a- that, you don't need all at once. Or, no, or
0: was it acorn, as you say? <laughs> acorn, Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> and for this bright, shining moment, like I felt like. Such a superstar yeah. i I had distinguished myself through nothing but my stubby little legs. I had been able to have this record. I had the i was I jumped further than anybody else in my grade that year boys and girls. and I was so proud of that absolutely. It was, well, it was something that I would brag about and it wasn't too long though before another kid who was a much better athlete than me was like, "Oh, that's low hanging fruit and he jumps six feet two inches. And I don't have a moral to this story except to say that the laurel that I wore upon my head for being able to jump a certain number of inches <laughs> right. made me feel like a better person. And then when somebody else came along and would jump further, I didn't have that pride anymore because mm. now I wasn't the best person. Right. And the end, at the end of the day, who cares how far you can jump? And is that something we really want to be the source of self-esteem? I take your point. I take your point. I just, I worry that, I mean, again, I don't know how much the different kinds of intelligences have been tested and tried. Mm -hmm. I understand there's some controversy about how much that's all really true, but like, I just, I feel like I, I, I don't know, given the choice, I often really want to pull for the little guy or for the person who doesn't have every break uh, and win every time. And like, I just, I feel like I meet little kids who seem like such cool kids i'm glad they're not my kids because sometimes they're really a handful and they do not excel in the usual ways you know uh, let's not even get into why that is except to say that in any given class you probably can't have something like a bell curve you can put a bell curve on anything oh right where you can eventually go like okay well this 80 percent is in this big fat area in the middle of people who don't don't, don't, don't jump six feet and then over here at this other end, there's these couple extraordinary people that can do really well. And then at the end, you know, you got the problem people. And I'm like, I guess I just sometimes feel when, when I, as somebody who is a loser in life and has often been a loser in life with a few exceptions, it's, um, I tend to be a little skeptical about the system. And I often find myself asking, what does somebody have to gain by getting to decide who wins? And, but, but to go straight to your point, I think like I'm constantly looking for an opportunity to succeed or fail in a low stakes environment. I think this is why playing games with kids is important. I'm not personally a big games person as much as I hated kicking my daughter's ass at sorry, the most annoying game of all time. Like it's still, it's still valuable because you're not going to die when you lose it. Sorry, you're just going to be mad and you're going to cry. But like, I do think that's really valuable. I think I think what's lacking sometimes is a clear vision of why we're doing this contest, which it is. We've made this into a contest. There are winners and losers. Sometimes I think it's unclear why we've made this into a contest. And I do feel like sometimes we keep it deliberately opaque about what you can do to be better at it that goes beyond have richer parents or a better brain. Because then sometimes those kinds of contests are not always fair in a much broader sense. Maybe that little kid who's a real pain in the ass I mean, there's all the usual kind of cliches. Maybe that kid's going to be a great mechanic at some point. Maybe that kid can just take him like your grandfather, like just take a clock apart and put it back together. You know, it's just that like when we're so obsessed with who won and who lost without asking why the contest is structured the way that it yes, is, I love that. We, we lose a lot of people in the lights. And now what we've got is this reification of the idea that there are certain winners in life based on the rules we get to set. And there's a bunch of other people whose failure can be explained by the fact that they weren't winners without looking at the system that actually goes around that.
1: Hmm. I like that.
0: Yeah. You know, some little kids, they come to school. That's the only good meal they're going to have today. They come to school. That is the only adult that is going to look them in the eyes and right. talk to them like a person right. and be genuinely interested. This is not a slam on anybody, but like, this is just a reality. You yeah. guys. Yep. Is that when they come to school, that teacher that they're dealing with, that may be the one opportunity that that kid has to test a barrier without being hit. There's, it's very important for kids to have an environment like that. And not every little kid has it. And I just hope everybody keeps that in mind. Wow. I didn't think I had anything to say about that. Yeah, look at seriously. Me. Look at you go. Sorry, man. Fucking losers. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, what, what, what athletic endeavor? So apart from the rowing machine and the one-person activities, do your kids have a proclivity? to things like team sports. Do you encourage that? Have you gone the soccer route? Do you find yourself wanting your kids to do group, whether that's scouts or especially like a, like a competitive group activity could even be theater. Do you, are your kids attracted to that? And do you feel like that's something you want them to do in some form or fashion, be in a band sing in chorus, do four H like, do you, do you think that's important?
1: Absolutely. Super, super, super important. I was so intimidated by like team sports when I was a little kid because I was not I was not very good at it. I don't know why I wasn't. I think I don't think it's. Um, I I became better at those things later in life when I actually put in time and practiced them. Uh, although I was never like great at any sport, I became somewhat competent in a few things. But as a little kid, it was kind of this self-fulfilling prophecy where you think, well, I'm not very good at this. So then you don't really want to play it because you don't want to be bad at something. So then you don't play it. And any chance you would have had to get better has yeah. been eliminated because you're not playing you, it. You're you lose not your practicing. window. You lose right. your window. And I don't know like maybe if you if
0: had started bowling when you were four, it's something my old bowling coach used to say, Yes, I had a bowling coach. My bowling coach would say, like I saw so, him he was my my uh, our graphic arts teacher in eighth grade and he did the bowling club. It wasn't a team, it was a club. But he would say, like very ruefully, Mr. Trepani would say, I wish I had started bowling when I was your age or a little younger. Yeah. It's not that hard to become a pro bowler. Right. <laughs> you
1: right. Just do it a lot. Right. You just show up and like you were saying before, just show up and put in some time. And I actually bowling was we we had a thing where one for a couple of years of my high school. We were required to uh, we were required to be on a team sport. And so I I picked bowling. You're gonna say you were required to bowl. Yeah, I, well I was. I picked bowling and <laughs> and I was I was on the team and I did okay. I wasn't the best. I wasn't the worst. I did all right. And I, I you know I I've I learned through that experience you know like the bowling team compared to like the football team or something there was a lot less pressure and so I felt like maybe if I sucked it wouldn't matter as much and just that feeling of like okay I'm gonna try this and maybe it's okay if I'm like not a jock at this. Cause the other people who were bowling, none of them were jocks. The jocks were all playing basketball, you know, jock well, sports. Yeah. And so yeah. <clears throat> for me, it was, you know, this was a place where I could maybe throw a gutter ball once in a while. And it wasn't like people would point and laugh. They'd be like, yeah, I threw a gutter ball too. It wasn't a big deal. None of us were that good, <laughs> but we were okay. And I, you know, I want, I very much want my kids to enjoy because team sports being on a team Uh, the, the that dynamic is so great the few times that i got to really experience it it was such a wonderful thing where all of you are working toward a common goal you're all there to have fun you're supportive of one another when you do well and when you don't do well i think that's incredibly incredibly valuable um but we have not you know we haven't like i haven't like put my kids on a little league team or anything like that and my son who his you know if he had to probably pick a sport that he enjoys watching the most and things like that um, you know, it would be football, and there's no way I would ever let him play football. Yeah. Uh so that's becoming a less and less difficult decision. Yeah, it's a it's a really easy decision nowadays. And I mean, like
0: even like even as a lifetime lifetime not giant fan of sports, I mean, it's something where like I, if you'd ask me five ten years ago, well, if your kid wants to play football,
1: would you would let you them? Be?
0: Yeah, I, I would think of course. I'm yeah, broad minded liberal. If they want to go. <laughs> Get hit by monsters they can do it <laughs> right same because you're, same getting, you're like oh, this is we're raised to believe Like, go this is a great team thing you do this you get character you i don't know, I don't know. right
1: uh, so i don't know but like my my daughter is very um she's you know my son got it he got the best grade he got on his report card was pe he got an a plus on it wow that's great and i so he loves that kind of thing his favorite one of his favorite days all year is sports day and you know what, he, he, they, the way they give you, like, you, you do these different. <laughs> known in America is every day. I know, right. And he, he will go, so they have these different events. One is like a relay race. One is a climbing thing. I don't know what they do, but they, instead of giving you like you passed or you failed or you were first, you were second, they give you colors. So I guess like blue is the best, red is second best, green is third best, the yellow is fourth best. And, and he's like, oh, I got, you know. I got three blues, two greens, and a yellow, or whatever it wow, was. Wow, that's terrific! You know, whatever it does, I don't know what he, you know. I mean, it was good enough that he had a. He, but he has fun, and I'm like, "What'd you get the yellow one in?" And he's like, "Oh, in relay race." And I'm like, "Oh, you're not as fast as the other kids." Again, yeah. I'm like, "He's like, but I don't care, you know. Like it, it doesn't matter." So he's got the right attitude for it. But we haven't put them in any like sports. Like we're gonna enroll you in, you know, soccer or a little league. Yeah. And my my daughter, she would like to learn dance maybe do gymnastics, but we haven't, we haven't really put her in anything like that. What about you guys? What are you doing?
0: I would say start her soon. Like my daughter does gymnastics now. And like, you can already see like kids who started it a year younger than her are like, they're still like real little and skinny, super skinny and like can fall down and bounce. And like, I think gymnastics is a really good thing to do early. Soccer's fun. I mean, yeah, we've done soccer, not, not a giant fan of that. Um, I I I struggle not to be too ego-assertive in my own preferences about things, but there's some things where I, you know, for example, with the reading stuff, just the whole idea of being into music, like, it's kind of hard for me not to encourage that. So she's, you know, taking an instrument now, and that's actually going really well. She's playing actual songs, um, but um, the – what was I going to say? Dun, 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 you guys have, uh, I um, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> That's a uh, that was weird.
1: I got distracted. Let me do. Let me tell you about something I like, and then you. Oh, you tell me. Yeah cut, yeah, cut that out. Oh, don't cut that out. Don't worry about it. Hey, hey, hey Dan, uh, tell me about another thing that you like. Top resume.
0: Top resume.
1: Merlin, it's time your resume got noticed. I know. Here's the thing: a lot of people, and I'm I don't mean this isn't in a bad way. I don't mean to hurt people's feelings. But most people, most, maybe most, a lot don't know how to write a really good resume. And a lot of the reason that they don't know how to do it is because maybe they wrote one and then they got a job and then they got their next job because a friend knew them and told them about it or they built a thing and someone, you know, they're not necessarily job seeking. And so all of a sudden, after you've been in a place for a few years or many years, all of a sudden you're like, oh man, how do I start with, what am I supposed to do here? How do I get in the door somewhere? The resume is the way that you do it. It's the most important tool in your job search. It is the first impression that you're gonna make with your potential new employer and it can become the ticket for the interview. There is nothing more important in get unless you got somebody who's going to let you in the back door and say, "Oh you know you got to talk to this person here they're great and even then they want to see a resume. It does the heavy lifting and of course the point of it. You, you've got to get it past the screening technologies that recruiters are using, right? Uh, you, you've got to convey all your skills, your qualifications, your expertise. You're going to have to showcase what you've done. You're talking what, about the gatekeepers, The Dan, gatekeepers. Let's, let's talk about How you going to get past it. the gatekeepers? You've got to differentiate differentiate yourself. And so you also want to give them something that when they look at it, they're like, hmm, I want to know more about this candidate. I want to know more about this person. And this is what the resume X, there are such a thing as a resume expert. I didn't know that, but it's true. Top resume has these people. You work one-on-one with a professional writer. They will hear your career story and they will retell it in a way that is going to be compelling to the places that you want to go and work. And they have, they have done, Oh, this is a number that I'm not making up over 300,000 resumes. So they know what they're doing and if, you, if the resume that they write for you doesn't get you interviews, they will rewrite it for free. Isn't that kind of cool? I think it's kind the of cool. The devil you say. This is true. So they've wow. been proven, this has been proven to result in two to three times more interviews for people who are looking for their jobs. A professional written resume is 60% more likely to be read by recruiters. And a professionally written resume is three times more likely to be chosen for follow-up by recruiters based on formatting and presentation alone. And so, what they have is a sixty-day interview guarantee. You're going to get two times more interviews, or they'll rewrite it for free, and that's their, that's their thing. Jiminy. And uh, so, go go oh, check so this out. So many points
0: in my life I could have used that.
1: I would, you know, because the thing is, you don't know what are you going to compare it to. You don't, especially have anything if you're to not an achiever
0: to. like me. That's right. You know, so if you're not a, if you're not an urban achiever, like what <laughs> are you going to do to differentiate yourself? How do you tell your st- who lives, who dies, who tells your story?
1: That's right. Mm-hmm. So you're going to go to top resume.com slash back to work and you will get 10% off the resume writing service package. Again, the URL topresume.com slash back to work. Very nice. You'll go there. You'll get the 10% off and uh, you'll get that guarantee. And this is a really, really great thing. If uh, if you're looking for a job, seriously, check this thing out. This is really going to help you. Thanks, Top Resume. Thank you, Top Resume. Buck, Buck.
0: I remember what I was going to say. Um, I think there's uh, certain kinds of like um, – I almost said team activities. Yes. But a the, the better term might be group. But there's a reason I, I I accidentally said team, which is that I think there is a I know, pressure. I don't know. Historically, there's definitely been this sense of like, well, which sport are you going to play? Like what sport will you go out for? And I think there's been this kind of an understanding that if you want to be – like a normal above average kid, you need to be doing activities. And one of those activities probably should be a sport, preferably a team sport. Um, and then of course you get into the time when like, Oh, if you want to get into college, you're going to need that and stuff like that. Um, in, in the stuff that, first of all, whatever my kid wants to do, as long as it's legal and not deadly, like whatever, if it's not too inconvenient, hopefully not too much driving, but like, you know, whatever she wants to do, that's cool. But I will tell you what my personal preference is. um, I, uh, boy, why am I so anti-sports? Because I'm a loser and not an achiever. I, you think about a sports team and you think about, let's, let's even say like a football team, less so a baseball team, but like with a football team, you've got whatever, 11 people on the field at the time, at a time, you've got the different positions, you've got the like, you know, kind of like, um. Uh, prestige positions. Obviously, being the quarterback is like you get to be the captain of the sports team and stuff like that. But you know, there's a lot of other people involved. You get to
1: date cheerleaders. Don't forget that. Oh, yeah. I sure you got to date the cheerleaders. Mm-hmm.
0: But, but I mean, I think in a lot of sports, there are many people participating. So you could include cheerleaders. You could include pep squad. You could include what they used to call like managers, like whatever, like the people, the towel boy or like the helmet girl, hmm? Or, or whatever. There's this whole, team that eventually essentially though is a support team for the uniformed sports players and it is a very to me and I've never been super i I played some team sports not a lot but I think that the honest the truth of it is that the stars of that group are the players on the field especially the star players of the star right players. right 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 and everybody else is working in their support in an understandably underplayed role where like, we would never for a second doubt that quarterback boy is way more important than towel girl or pep boy. Mm-hmm. There is a stratified system to that. Um, I'm not saying this is totally different, but I would contrast that a little bit with performance in theater. And one thing I really like, first of all, it's joyful to play music. It is so fun to be in a play. Mm-hmm. It's so much more fun than you think it's going to be. I've been in a bunch of plays. It's so much more fun than you think it's going to be. All
1: being in plays was the highlight of my childhood. I absolutely loved it. We would do it, it at church. We would do it at school. I was
0: in the senior play in, in high school. I did a little bit in college. I mean, not like professionally, but like in the neat thing about that though is like, first of all, you get an instant rapport Sure. There's going to be divas. Sure. There's going to be stars, whatever that's going to happen in any group situation. There's going to be people who are the, you know, the alpha people, but, but the truth is like, you cannot deny the importance of the people on that team that are not on stage talent. Right. So in that case, you know, you would be seen as a real chode. If you thought that because you worked on lighting gels, like you were way less important than the person who happened to be on stage, Mm -hmm. Cause another neat thing about theater and performance in general is people play lots of different roles. Like you could be involved with working on the set. You could be involved in talking to this local furniture company about getting stuff to do set decoration. You could be doing painting. You could be working on the programs. You could you could hell, you could be writing it. But like there's I, I feel like I like the idea though that we're all pulling together to do a production. And there is no unimportant person on this team there's no person on this team that we can afford to just lose or throw away because you know, all we really care about is the people with the helmets on the field. I'm very attracted to things where you get to feel like you're pulling for something together. And even if it's the ephemeral product of an onstage production, it's so bracing. It's so fun. You instantly make friends and enemies with so many people. And it's, it's just the greatest setting aside, like just being in a band, which is so great. Mm -hmm. And like, I think those are the kinds of things where like, You know, maybe just because I'm an unstructured person mostly, but like, I know that doesn't provide the same amount of structure as like running into a tackling dummy at 20 miles an hour, but like, and you don't get yelled at by a guy in shorts. But like, (laughs) I feel like, like, so like, to a certain extent, like for me, that was working on newspaper. I was on the newspaper, I was a features editor in high school. But like, uh, you know what that meant? That didn't mean prestige, that meant work. Right. Anybody who had the word editor on their name meant that we did the cutting up and the paste up of all of that stuff. And it was great. I made such really good friends. So, you know, I guess I, I really hope that things like performance are not regarded as second tier. You deal a lot with humanity. You got a lot of humanity going on. You still have to deal with schedules and deadlines, but like you also get the opportunity to like get all of those skills where. You don't have to feel like you're just there in the support of somebody who's the real star of the show
1: because everybody has an important role. Let me ask you something about that. As I'm listening to you talk, do you think that there's as much recognition today of the stars or the people who win as there was in past years? In other words, is maybe the positive side of everybody gets a trophy, everybody wins, is the upside of that that maybe for the people who do actually win in little air quotes, actually win that they're not as on quite the same pedestal that they might have been. You know what I mean? If there isn't that, that heavy line between winners and losers.
0: I've well, I, I don't know. I feel like that's changed. I feel like we almost need to a paradigmatically different way of talking about this because it's one thing to say, well, boy, it's a real bummer. That these, that the, the beauty of our stars is diminished by these people who get a trophy just for showing up. Mm -hmm. Another way to put this is like, how important is exclusion to Mm -hmm. excelling at what you do? Right. Is it a zero sum game? Does it have to be that somebody loses and quote unquote loses in order for you to quote unquote win? That might seem like a real namby pamby limperist attitude and I'm, I'm fine. I can own that. Um, I, I don't know if that's as big a deal, but you think about something like a high school play, you know, um, in my recollection, Yeah, you're in the program, but everybody's in the program. You're not on the poster for the play. It says Neil Simon's Plaza Suite. Nobody cares who this quote-unquote star of it is. Maybe, but you're not a celebrity. It's not a celebrity-based system. It's a system where, you know, everybody pulls together, does this thing. I don't know. I know I don't know the answer to that. But, like, just, again, to... I don't disagree with you. I think I just disagree in a slightly different way. I'm not saying that everybody getting a trophy is a great thing. I'm saying that the system that makes trophies the sign of how well you're doing in life is kind of crummy. And then I'm not, I'm not sure I love a system like that as a way to decide who a good person is or somebody who's allowed to feel good about themselves. Right. Right. And, and I think, I think it's, again, it's a very privileged meritocratic position to say, well, that's just the natural order of the things law of the jungle, you know, red teeth and claw, you know, well, I mean, is that, is that really, is that how we want it to be? I mean, there are situations. I think this is one reason people like reality TV. It's because reality TV, it's like sports for people who just sit around a lot. Because, like, well, not like sports viewers are that much more fit, but like, you get to see the idea that look, somebody's going home this week. Like, if your garment did not pass muster with Zach, like you're going home, and that's that's how this game works. That's the rules of this game, and you knew that going in. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's. There's a message that we unintentionally send, I think, sometimes, or maybe intentionally. I don't know. It's not, not even one I would intentionally send, which is that in order for our society to work, there have to be clearly established and highly lauded winners and then a lot of people who lost that we feel at best pity for. And that, that those systems yeah, I don't are like, all I the don't troubles like that. me. I don't like that. But, but, but having said all of that, it isn't like you're doing anybody a big favor to go. Oh, Harrison Bergeron, you know, Oh, we're all equally, equally broken. Like everybody gets an orange slice. Like, I don't think that's doing anybody any favors. Um, but you know, there's this other thing though, that I really struggle with this. This might be a pivot, but I, I think it's important. How do you, teach how do you help someone understand that sometimes life just sucks that's that's maybe that might be too much of a pivot but i think it's one thing to say well oh you have skinny arms and asthma so you don't get to be loved right right that's i think that's legitimately kind of crummy yeah but then there's another kind of thing you know that again we struggle with a little bit which is that you know mom and dad aren't a bank and we don't control the clocks that there are constraints in life within which we all have to operate. And just because things are stressful, it's not necessarily our fault. I run into this all the time with the time issue. You know, I, the thing that I, I struggle to convey in a way that doesn't cause unnecessary stress is that like everybody has the same 24 hours in a day. Everybody has the same, mostly the same ability to make certain pivotal decisions about where they're going to focus their attention. But even sometimes when you do everything right, it's just going to suck. And like, what does that say about us? Does that say anything? It doesn't really say anything about us. We're back to Kierkegaard. Like, sometimes life just really, really sucks. Sometimes, you know, you break your arm the day before summer vacation and you don't get to swim for a while. Is there any fairness in that? There is not fairness in that. Is there any board to which I can have this adjudicated and like get a do over for this? No. Like, sometimes it just sucks. But why am I saying this? I think there's a big difference between you fell off a swing and broke your arm versus like, you're just not good at a sport. I think there can be similar skills that you could have some kind of Rudy style story about this, I guess. But like, I, I wonder if there's a way to get and grit. I struggle a little bit with the word grit. I get what they're saying. You're saying like, stick to it even when it seems like things aren't going well, have an ability to, have situational awareness about what to improve in time proven and intuitive ways to make a situation better. It's just that, you know, I I think putting that in like a gridiron with a score on the board is not prima facie, the best way to teach somebody that skill that you're just going to see improvements and growth in the ones for whom improvements and growth are possible. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Am I bringing us back just to the same white ribbon thing again? I don't know.
1: I don't know. I don't
0: know. Yeah. But there's there's also this part that thinks like there's that, you know, lame thing. Everybody says, oh, I'm glad the world's falling apart. That's when you get great art and culture. It's like, wow, you really are a very fortunate person. If you feel like the result of Global Calamity is like you get a good punk rock album, that's a really dark thing to say (laughs) if you really think about it. Um, You're allowed to say that about 30 years ago, but you kind of shouldn't be saying that right now. I don't know what the answer is because one thing this comes down to in very stark terms from my own point of view is that it um, was a good fresh air, a rerun of a fresh air the other day we were listening to, and it's this woman who wrote a book. She's this um, works at some English institution for pet safety and care, and she basically wrote a book about how to train your cat. And you know, it's it's commonly misunderstood why cats and dogs are the way they are, and she puts it really well. She says, "Well, dogs." Dogs are derive their security from a sense of relationship. Like, you know, they don't like going to the vet, but they'll go to the vet with you because they love you. Mm -hmm. Dogs love running with other dogs. Whereas cats are very situated around place and feeling a sense of security and control based on, on place. And so like, how do we get, how do we get these animals to do the things that we want? And the way we get them to do the things they want is like, we learn to think like them instead of like us. So in the case of a cat, I've heard this before, but in the case of a cat, the cat's ability to turn anything like positive or negative reinforcement into something valuable, you've got a window of a couple minutes at best, which is very, very challenging. First of all, punishing a cat is a fool's errand and you're just being a jerk. Cats don't get that. So like when you're squirting, you, you read somewhere that's shooting, like squirting water on your cat to get him off the couch is a good idea. I can see how you got there, but you're not thinking like a cat the way the cat thinks is this guy's kind of an asshole for spraying me with a bottle like this. I don't feel safe here anymore. Cause this person keeps spraying me with a bottle. So like, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know how to forward this big gap of getting from like, well, we want to do everything we can to make things safe and predictable and secure and normal. Like, but then how do you present the very bleak idea to a little brain that like some things, sometimes things just go terribly, terribly wrong. Yeah. I don't know how you do that. I don't know. And how do you do it without projecting your own sense of values and personality onto that, making that person feel bad because this is what, just happened like if you like let's say you've got a non-refundable vacation ticket family of four or family of five is going to go on a vacation and one kid suddenly gets strep throat it's going to be hard for that kid to not look like a bad person for getting strep throat <laughs> even though it's not their fault right how do you how do you talk to that kid about it how do you talk to the other kids about it you well you say what an idiot like me would say which is like something's terrible sometimes ther- terrible things just happen and it's nobody's fault which is so lame and so unrewarding and so utterly untethered from everything else we've taught you about. Well, if you had more grit, you wouldn't get strep throat. It's like, I don't know how you, I don't know how you present that to people in a way that you internalize and turn into something useful. You give them a Camu book, you feel better.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Um, Dan, did you have one more thing to tell me about that last, you Guess Last thing
1: is going to be Squarespace. Squarespace. They've supported this show for such a long time and they're such uh, lovely folks over there. Turn your cool idea into a new website, showcase your work. You can blog, you can publish content, you can sell products, you can sell services on there. You can promote your physical business, your online business make a special event page. And what I'm saying is you can do pretty much anything that you want, even uh, even upload MP3 files and host a host your, your band's website, do a podcast. You can do everything really with Squarespace. It's going to look beautiful. It's going to be responsive. So it looks good on every platform that's out there. And they've got crack developers and designers and system administrators, making sure you never have to update anything or worry about security or any of that nonsense. They just do everything. There's nothing to patch or upgrade. They've got 24 7 award winning customer support. What can I say? If you want to make a website, go there first, try it out. There's a free trial. You don't even have to spend any money. Squarespace.com, use the code back to work, and you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Did I mention that you can register your domains there? Now you don't, maybe you don't want a website. You just want to register a domain. Do that with Squarespace too. They don't care or Mm. do both and be a better person, be a better person. You can make, you can make logos. Do you do it all? Squarespace.com promo code back to work one word, and you'll save 10% off your first purchase. Share it with a friend. And uh, pay it forward. Thanks very much to Squarespace mm. for making this show possible. They can run with that. That's theirs.
0: Run with it, Squarespace. Uh, listener Denny mm. writes in to say, "Wait, mm. Robert Sandwich is not the sandwich guy." <laughs> I admit it's a little confusing, but I'll tell you what I, I'll tell you what I what I, what I told uh, him. <laughs> I said sometimes he's the sandwich guy, and sometimes the other guy is the sandwich guy. It's a big part of the show's appeal. (laughs) One imagines. (laughs) right? Hi. 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 I'm Robert Sandwich. This is All Things Considered. (laughs) Hi. I caught up with Robert Sandwich at his villa in Tuscany. Hi, Robert. Hi. (laughs) Do you like sandwiches? (laughs) I love sandwiches.
1: Hi. I'm Robert Sandwich. Page two. I ordered a set of those headphones. The Plantronics? No, the Apple ones. Oh, the AirPods. The AirPods. Yeah,
0: they're still back ordered. Like three weeks. No, they'll be here
1: Friday or the whatever, whatever Hot day dog. we're recording this. I got them. For, I ordered
0: them super early. <laughs> if you wanted to call in during the pet episode, you should have been here for the elderly episode. That's right. Um. Uh yeah, I bought them cuz I knew my my lady's birthday was coming up and I really wanted to get them for her. So I got them way 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 early. But uh, that's amazing. Yeah,
1: I or I put in the order for them and it uh it said it would be, you know, up to a week and I ordered them yesterday and they'll be here day after tomorrow. So not bad. S- same day as your uh your iPhone 10. Well, no, I didn't order that. Yeah, me neither. I don't, you know, the reviews are in and they seem they seem pretty good. It seems hey like, uh, like this is a good, good thing for people, but I'm, I'm yeah. still happy with the seven plus. I'm going to stay there for a while. I'll see what happens. That's what I
0: have. And um, I don't, I mean, I wrote this, I write this down sometimes as a Twitter draft and I almost always delete it because nobody cares. It's so nice in this day and age to find something at this time, like where we are as humanity. It's so nice to encounter something that I literally have no opinion about. <laughs> It's really difficult to say that even because it sounds like you have an opinion, but I really don't have an opinion. I don't care what phone you buy. I hope that doesn't blow your mind, America, but you should buy the phone that you like or here's another thing. You could not buy the phone that you don't like but i i literally don't have an opinion about it so i feel i feel like a uh, a man without a flag right now because like everybody's so, got so many angles on this and every it seems like it's very important for everybody to know what everybody uh, for everyone else to know what their thing is mm. about the phone mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. it's very very important that you understand how i feel about the coverage of this by youtube people it's like uh, okay i don't even really have that much of an opinion about that and it feels great it's bewildering but it's, it's kind of nice. Yeah. I have so many opinions about so many things right now, only some of which I would ever mention, that like this is kind of delightful, actually. And that delight makes me get to see how silly it is that we all care this much about which, if any, phone of the ones available or not that you do or don't get right now, and how you feel about the coverage of the phone you do or didn't get by the people you probably don't care about anyway, mm. and what it means to you. Hi, I'm Robert Sandwich. There you go okay let's button this up
1: all right okay i love you love you too merlin man